With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, what's going on, Cyclone Nation? Chris Williams here with your, well, it's the final Thursday thesis of the college football season. I don't know about you all, but, like, I don't know. I had to look to see what day it is. These holidays get me so screwed up. Like, it feels like a Monday to me. Maybe like it doesn't feel like Thursday, but it worked out to have your final Thursday thesis of the season as we um, look forward to Iowa State and Notre Dame in the Camping World Bowl on Saturday. Before we dig in too deep on the analysis, do want to thank our sponsors, Ames Eye and Des Moines Eye. I care for the whole family. They take care of me. In fact, I need to set up. That's one thing I need to do is a New Year's thing and go and get a recheck of my eyes with Dr. Kruger. Awesome people. Ames Eye, Des Moines Eye, and they take care of your whole family. It's kind of like uh, when I promote the Iowa Clinic, who's a great sponsor of our bull coverage this week about checkups, all that stuff, men's health. I'm 35 now. And I'm starting to have to really uh, think about these things. Really, for the first time, I feel like in my life, although I should have been taking care of them earlier, but like most men, I'm stubborn. Didn't get to the doctor as much as I should. So I'm going to go do that, and I'll, I'll chronicle it when I go and check out Dr. Kruger here, maybe in the next couple of weeks. Um, they've sponsored our Thursday thesis all season long. I want to thank all of you for listening to it. It's become one of our most popular podcasts where we do an in-depth breakdown of Iowa State's upcoming games. Now, full disclosure, and I just want to be honest with you guys, I don't know Notre Dame as much as I know a lot of these Big 12 teams that Iowa State plays on a weekly basis. Just being honest with you, I've done the research. I feel like I've put in the time. I feel like I have a decent read on this game and how it might go. But I don't have that in-depth, this integral knowledge of the Irish like I do, say, when Oklahoma State comes to town. I just want to be upfront about that off the bat here. I've done, I, again, I've put in the time. I feel like I've put in the research on this team. So we'll see We'll see how it turns out. Um, before we kind of dig into the, to the game itself, and I want to remind you all that Jared Stansbury's been in Orlando since Monday covering the team. He's done a great job. There's all sorts of coverage. I hope you've enjoyed his coverage on the Cyclone Fanatic podcast feed. Of course, the written word as well. Check all of that out. Uh, I just wanted to do a few of the fun things that, that I like to do when bowl games come around. I mean, th- to me, like it's just like a, the, the pure like fan, college football fan. I like to know where these bowl games came from. Because most of these bowl games, like this was not always the Camping World Bowl, correct? So I did a little research to find out like what the what the beginning, the origins of this bowl game were. And I was surprised to find out because I remember watching this game as a kid. This is the old Blockbuster Bowl. 
Now, it was only the Blockbuster Bowl for three years, but they had incredible matchups. This, at one point, was a New Year's Day game back when a New Year's Day game actually meant something. So, it started in 1990 as the Blockbuster Bowl featuring number six Florida State, who beat number seven Penn State. And then uh, the second game was number eight Alabama over number 15 Colorado. Number 13, Stanford won this game in or in 1993 against number 21, Penn State. So look at those matchups. Then it graduated on to become the CarQuest Bowl. For a few years, it was the MicronPC.com Bowl. That was when we had all those games that had .com at the end of them. They, so some history on this. Do you remember the old Tangerine Bowl? The old Tangerine Bowl turned into the Florida Citrus Bowl, which is now the Citrus Bowl. But for three years, 2001 through 2003, the Citrus Bowl, who owns the Camping World Bowl, gave this bowl game the name of the Tangerine Bowl. Crazy, right? Then you guys probably remember it, as I do, uh, as the Champ Sports Bowl for a while, and then the Russell Athletic Bowl. It became the Camping World Bowl in 2017, where Oklahoma State beat Virginia Tech 30-21. to And, uh, of course, Iowa State will get its crack at Notre Dame coming up on Saturday. Maybe that bored you, but I find that stuff fascinating. I love looking at, like, the origins of these games. Like, what was this called when I was watching it when I was 10? And the Blockbuster Bowl, man, I I remember that game. That was one of, I want to say, when it was a New Year's Day Bowl. Now, it was only played on New Year's Day twice. But I want to say that that thing was like one of the first games that was played on New Year's morning. I remember watching growing up and like that, and I don't know if it was called, I think the Outback Bowl it was still called back then. Now, probably not in 1993, actually. Regardless, doesn't really matter. Hopefully that brought back some um, memories I don't know if your guys' family did this. Mine did, you know, because we're we're just a big college football family in general. But you'd have the, you know, the little Smokies on the nachos. My family's really not big drinkers, so you didn't really have the hangover factor that a lot of households probably have that day. But we'd be bright and early, ready to we're fired up. My mom is from South Carolina. We grew up Gamecock fans, still am to this day, and. Uh, they oftentimes, for some reason, they were always in that Outback Bowl, it seemed like, when I was a kid. So we would get up and watch those. And Anyways, um, that that was fun. So thanks for letting me do that. Another thing I like to do with bowl games is I like to look at the gifts that the players get. I feel like the gifts have gone downhill over the years, but maybe that's just because I've gotten old and these things don't fire me up as much as they used to. But uh, Iowa State and Notre Dame, actually, I think one of the better bowl gifts this year. And uh, check out our Bowl Central blog. I tweeted some pictures of this from the Camping World Bowls, um, their their Twitter website. Every player in the game gets a $400 Best Buy gift card. See, that's a great gift. That's so much better than... So, like, in the Cheez-It Bowl, which is played um, Friday night, they get a GoPro, which is fine. 
a gro a GoPro's cool. I would love a GoPro, but some people don't even know how to use it. I'd rather have the four hundred dollar Best Buy gift card. You get whatever you want. Uh, it comes with a Herschel backpack. I'm literally googling backpack right now. Herschel backpack. What is this thing? Uh, it looks just like a. I don't know. It's like a classy, like canvas backpack. Looks nice. Fellas, I'm sure will appreciate that. And what else do the clones get? They get a um, watch. Just says watch. Does not specify the type of watch. Just says watch. So there you go. That's what the clones will be getting during their time down in Orlando. Um, to the football game itself, we'll do some. Um, we'll we'll put it on a tee with some storylines, and then I'll get to the actual matchup. And I also want to talk a little bit about the college football playoff. And I believe 2019 again providing a need for expansion of the college football playoff. We'll talk about that here coming up as well. Um, okay, there have been rumors going around, and you know Matt Campbell's been asked about it at nauseum. Jared Stansbury has done some reporting on it about the status of Julian Good Jones on Saturday against Notre Dame. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about if, if by chance he's not available for for every snap for one reason or another. And I don't know. I, I Matt Campbell said that he's his status with the team is fine. Um, so we'll take coach's word for it. Now, coaches are oftentimes all over the place with this type of stuff. You guys know the drill. Let's just say he's out for any any period of time. I, I do think it's interesting because I know Iowa State was looking into this earlier in the year when injuries were, I don't want to say plaguing the offensive line because it seemed pretty, that, that group held together fairly well this year other than the initial injuries, you know, right in that first game-ish. But I know they fooled around moving Josh Knipple to tackle at one point in the year or at least giving themselves the opportunity to move him there if needed, if another injury fell. I think Josh was a second-string tackle there for a while. Now, if you talk to most people, and this is not always the case, a lot depends on your offense, all that stuff, tackles are more important than guards. Oh, there's some offensive line guys out there rolling their eyes at me right now. I'm saying what the analytics will tell you in the sport of football. Leave it at that. The interior offensive line is critical. I'm not downplaying that. The analytics will tell you that you need your tackles. Um, so I wonder if that's an option where the Cyclones could go. You know, with Bryce Meeker over on the other side, I do believe Colin Newell would be eligible to play in this game and still keep his year. Um, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure on that as far as if he wanted to get a medical red shirt, how that, all that stuff goes, it gets kind of messy when you bring in the NCAA stuff. But I wonder if that's not what they would do against a pretty stout Notre Dame defense. I think it's certainly possible. Um, Jared reported some of that stuff as far as what he was seeing in practice the other day. You can go check all that out. But again, I'm just looking ahead at, okay, what ifs? Hopefully, Good Jones is out there, and it's that same unit that I think had a pretty good year. 
I think it had a pretty good year, Iowa State's offensive line. I think it had some momentum at the end of last year. And I think that they they kind of they, they raised the bar to now they kind of hand off the torches, right? You've got Meeker graduating. Where I, I was really proud of Bryce. I thought that he struggled early on and recovered to have a nice second half of the season. Good Jones has been like an Iron Man for Iowa State. You know, you're, you're kind of passing the torch on to this younger group of linemen. You're, you're Trevor Downings, your Colin Newells, your uh, Joey Ramos, those type of guys, right? You're, you're passing the torch. I think this year's line raised that that level, and now the young guys get to run with it. I think the young guys are probably at their age sharper than – the others when they started. So we'll see if they can if they can run with it. And that that really is the where this program has to take the next step, right? Is just up front on offense. They've proven to have the skill players. They've got to be able to, you know, really bulldoze the opposition. So that's my thought on the offensive line, if anything goes on there. I also want to talk about when we're talking about like availability and health and all that stuff. We heard John Haycock earlier in the week say, again, go check out Jared Stansbury's notes, um, that the defense is healthier than it's been in weeks going back to the middle of the year. Um, You know, Greg Eisworth is the guy that we all look at. He's going to be key against Ian Book, Notre Dame's illustrious quarterback. Ian Book is – one of, if not maybe the best quarterback Iowa State has seen this year. So that's critical. I also think it's it's crucial if Haycock is going to, you know, dial up some exotic blitzes and whatnot, that type of thing. Really none of that works without a guy like Greg Eisworth and having him back and healthy and all that stuff is key. I also want to point at Brock Purdy, and we haven't really heard anything about his health. It just seemed odd to me that he quit running at all halfway through the season. And I wonder if he didn't have something going on. And I'm also curious if, let's say he did and he's healthy now or healthier, is he going to maneuver more on the ground against Notre Dame? Because I think, and we can kind of get into the keys to this, this football game now. You know, I really think that the running game is going to be an absolute must for Iowa State when it comes to being able to move the ball efficiently against the Fighting Irish. And, you know, you you guys know it as well as me, Iowa State is a different offense when Purdy is running with the football. Now, I'm not saying he's got to be out there Jalen Hurtsing it. I don't think that that's – Purdy's not built like that. You wouldn't have him for more than four or five weeks if that's the case. But you've got to have that ability out there to do it. And I wonder if we'll see that Brock – like TCU Brock Purdy. I don't even necessarily know if you need TCU Brock Purdy because now you have Brees Hall. Brees Hall wasn't Brees Hall in that TCU game. But if Brock's out there, and because here, here's the reason I point this out. Notre Dame's defense, 14th nationally in scoring defense during the year, 
not as important to me as the third passing yards allowed. They're in the most important one here, fifth and pass efficiency defense. They've got a really experienced secondary and a defensive line that can get to the quarterback. My analysis here is that Purdy is going to be on the run considerably in this football game. And you guys know as well as I do by watching Brock, nine interceptions on the year, not terrible, but somewhere when he's a sitting duck back there, he's not as effective as if he can run. He's more, it's like, it's like my other uh, favorite football team, the Minnesota Vikings. Kirk Cousins, not a drop back, um, you know, pocket passer. He can if he has to, so can Purdy, but he's better on the run. He's better rolling out. He's better doing those types of things. But if you take away the ability to run, which I felt like had is, is what happened with Purdy in the second half of the season, it really limits his his dangerous, uh, you know, the the danger that he provides to a defense. I think it's going to be if Iowa State's going to win this game. I think Purdy's going to have to be a dual threat quarterback to knock off the Fighting Irish. That that's my biggest thing that I look at is, you know, I have confidence. I think uh, if you listen to the pod with me and Jared before he left, I think Milton and Jones that second level of the Notre Dame defense is going to be ripe, and I think that's you know the tight ends and attacking those areas is going to be key. But I think the ability to run the ball on the Irish and loosen things up early, and I know how Matt Campbell and Tom Manning think. I think that if I had to outline anything in this game that's going to dictate what happens, that's exactly where it would be. A few other notes on this one. Just some standard um, gambling stuff, not that you guys care about that, but I do think it's relevant when you start to break down these games. Matt Campbell in bowl games is three and two straight up. Brian Kelly is five and five. Brian Kelly, however, three and seven against the point spread. He's 0 and three against the point spread as a favorite. So, not a good spot if you're just looking at gambling spots for Brian Kelly in this one. Matt Campbell is 2-1 and one against the spread as an underdog. And that would be... Well, I, I don't remember if Iowa State was favored over Memphis. I know they were an underdog last year. It was like a three, three-and-a-half point line to Texas... Or to <laughs> Texas Tech. They still think Mike Leach in Texas Tech to Washington State. Iowa State lost but covered the spread in that one. Of course, they covered the spread when they won against Memphis two years ago. But yeah, um, that to me is what it comes down to. Cause I think that Iowa state's defense it, it, with the defense to me, it is what it is, right? Iowa state's defense is going to keep it in the game. I don't think the defense was as sharp in 2019. I think that the cornerback play dropped off, although I'm very optimistic about it in the future. I think that the defensive line, as good as they were, probably underachieved. Would have been nice to have Jaquan Bailey out there all year. 
I think that the again the nucleus and what they have going forward is fantastic. I'm fired up for it. But I feel like I know what Iowa State's defense will bring. They, now they need to be opportunistic, no doubt. They got to be opportunistic about a really good Notre Dame team. If they have an opportunity, if a ball hits them in the hands, damn it, catch it. Right? That simple. But I, John Haycock will have a plan. The defense will keep it in the game. Will the offense be able to move the ball efficiently and execute against one of the best defenses in college football? If so, quarterback got to be able to maneuver. Brees Hall's got to be able to get loose. Some early, loosen that thing up so that the Fighting Irish can't just pin their ears back and come at you. The Notre Dame offense is fascinating to me. Coordinator change, a 27-year-old taking the taking the reins against John Haycock. I wonder how much Brian Kelly is going to have his fingerprints on this, though. I love that matchup. If it's truly... Tommy Reese versus John Haycock. Dial it up for me every time, baby. Give me the clones. But I don't think Brian Kelly's going to do that. I don't. I, I just I don't trust it. All right. Um, if I have to pick a final score in this one, I'll pick Notre Dame to win it. Um. Yeah, you know what? Screw it. I'll pick the clones. I don't know. I think it's a toss-up. If you guys heard the... um. If you guys heard our bull bonanza, the betting bonanza with Todd Kirk, Todd's all over Notre Dame in this one. I would pick Iowa State to cover. I think this is a three-point game either way. And you guys know my rule. If it's ever like that, in my mind, I'll take the clones. I always take the clones in a toss-up. I think this is a toss-up. It's a three-point line for a reason. I know Iowa State was 7-5, and five, but the analytics still love the clones. They've been in every game. They've, you know, power rankings love this team. Power rankings aren't your overall record, but I do think that they, smart people look at them and for analysis, and and you can, there's a reason why this is only three, three and a half point spread. Motivation, I think, is on Iowa State's side. We'll see how it ultimately turns out. 11 a.m. on Saturday. If you're going to be in Des Moines, Jacqueline Cordova will be hosting a game watch at Barntown Brewing. Again, at Barntown Brewing, she's going to have Cyclone Fanatic swag. We'll be giving out prizes. Again, if you're not going to Florida and you're looking for a place to go, Cyclone Fanatic's official game watch will be at Barntown Brewing coming up on Saturday. All right, a few thoughts on the college football playoffs, some other bull stuff when we come back here on the Thursday Thesis. We are presented by Ames Eye and Des Moines Eye here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Thursday Thesis. William's here. Uh, I think Stansberry was going to like Universal Studios in Orlando today. Good for him. He's worked hard. He deserves it. Fresh column out by Bloom. It's a must read as always. 
Go and check that out on our front page. would like to thank Royal Flooring and the Iowa Clinic for sponsoring our bowl coverage all week long from Orlando. Touched on this a little bit on 1460KXNO with Ross Peterson at the end of last week. I am now more convinced than ever that the college football playoff needs to be expanded to eight. You know, I just started doing some research on the amount of teams that have been to the college football playoff and the history of it. And it's not that much. So this is our sixth year in the college football playoff. Alabama's been there five times. Clemson's been there five times. Four by Oklahoma. Three by Ohio State. So you've really had four teams that are predominantly there every year or every other year at the other at the worst case scenario. Florida State, Georgia, Michigan State, Notre Dame, and Oregon have all been there one. Um, which is fine. Like, you're trying to get the best teams. I understand all that. But we got a real regional problem with this thing. And I think it's super easy for people on the west side of the country or even the Midwest. Now, Ohio State's keeping it somewhat relevant, but to just kind of tune out in this thing. But I think the reason that this thing will ultimately be expanded is because of money. Um, and it's not the type of money you're thinking about. So you're thinking about, oh, like television revenue and the playoff and all that stuff. That's not even where I'm going. There's still a lot of powerful people who are with the bowl system. Think of that the Sun Bowl this year. Cam Akers out for Florida State, whatever. I don't care. I'm not judging these guys for being out. Arizona State's missing like three starters. Now, luckily, with this Iowa State-Notre Dame game, it's super relevant. Even local here with Iowa, those guys are all playing. It's fine. And you can say what you want about these players skipping bowl games. Um, I don't really care. I think it's a personal opinion. If they want to skip and get ready for the NFL, I'm totally fine with it. If they want to play, I think that that's awesome. Go and finish it out with your teammates. But I can guarantee you, um, the television ratings and the executives at these bowl games are starting to get a little bit annoyed with signing these teams up and then finding out their star players aren't going to be there. There's a real trickle-down effect here. And I think if you expand to eight, not only are you making this a less regional sport, because if we go to eight, all five leagues are getting in. And then we're going to have these at-large bids. We're going to expand it to the group of five. I want a group of five team in there. Hell yeah, I want to see Memphis play. Maybe Mike Norvell doesn't leave for Florida State. I think there's a lot of good things that could come from this. And I also think, you know, that's four more games where, or at least two more games, where we're not going to have these guys skipping out on bowl games. I think it's good for the sport. Right? I think it's good for the sport. And the, don't give me the regular season won't matter. It's still going to matter. We're going to have the same conversations, except about five and six, we're going to have it about eight, nine and ten, right? It's still going to matter. All that is going to matter. I don't want to, you know, I, I'm a nut. I'd like to see it go to 16, but I don't have to. I don't, I, I don't care. I just think that this is inevitable, and there's going to be people in powerful spots who – are going to make this happen here probably in the next few years. I really believe that. that we're going to start talking about that and it'll become a reality. And I think it has to do more with these lower bowl games, ESPN, 
price of commercials, cord cutting, all that stuff. That's what's going to drive this. Not uh, that the college football playoff hasn't been a success. Of course it's been a success. It's way better than what we had. But we can still make it better. And I think that this, moving it to eight, has consequences, not consequences, but benefits for a trickle-down effect that will make more of these smaller games feel more relevant to a group of players that, quite frankly, deserves at this point to look forward to their future to become professional athletes where they can make millions of dollars instead of getting $400 Best Buy gift cards, right? That's where I'm at. Hope you enjoyed the Thursday thesis, everybody. Uh, More coverage coming from Orlando. That's where Stansbury's at. Want to thank Ames Eye and Des Moines Eye for sponsoring our thesis all year long. Clones Notre Dame coming up on Saturday. Remember to go to Barntown Brewing for our game watch. I am Chris Williams signing off on this day after Christmas here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network.